Welcome back to the pod, everyone. I'm your host, Austin, and this is like take five for me. I, <laughs> uh, geez, I, for whatever reason, uh, this is about the fifth go at this, uh, fourth go at this, whatever, just having technical difficulties and all kinds of issues recording. And, uh, but, but at any rate, you know, we got a great episode lined up this week. I, you know, really appreciate you all taking the time to check this out. Uh, my guest this week is Joe Pistone. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. And if I'm not, Joe, I, I apologize. Uh, but I am recording this in advance being able to ask you. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But Joe is uh, one of the cadre, one of the, the instructors at Orion Training Group. <clears throat> and those of you guys that have been listening over the past couple episodes, you know that uh, the group and I made our trip from Detroit on out into Pennsylvania, uh, Templeton, Pennsylvania, I believe it was, uh, at Ben Franklin Range for the HTA Range Day event. I actually had the pleasure of going through the Introduction to Flexible Search course that Orion Training Group provided as part of that uh, charity range day. So Joe was one of the instructors there. That's where I met Joe. And we actually have had this this conversation scheduled even uh, before I was in class with him. So should be a really, really cool discussion. There was a ton uh, that I pulled out of that class. Uh, you know, observationally, there's a lot you can learn. Obviously, you learn even more by doing it, right? Going through the motions, going through the repetitions, you get that that feedback, and at least for me as a student, and I, uh, I really have to say that this is something I learned a lot when I was in music, marching music and things like that, and tried to carry uh, myself as an instructor, is the way that you convey information and be able to explain things in more than one way. I thought Joe did a really good job of that, as we did in several instances, myself included, have repeat errors. Hey, you just did the same thing wrong, and it's just a lack of understanding, being able to explain things more than once. So, uh, again, I had a great time in the class, uh, really looking forward to being able to kind of dig into Joe and dig into the the teaching aspect of things and talk more about all the good stuff that uh, we got into during the course when I was out uh, in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, I wish I, I could have stayed even longer, honestly. I was having such a great time in that class. Uh, getting getting into all those things. Actually, I had to leave early, so I did miss out on some of the information. But thankfully, Orion is set. Those of you guys that have been following them on Instagram, Orion is set to come up here to Michigan in May of 2024. I know that's like seven months out, but guys, man, I'm so pumped. Those of you guys who have been listening for a while, you know, uh, we were trying to get them up here for 2023. That didn't exactly work uh, and was able to actually connect with Jared uh, at the class in Pennsylvania and pull some things together. So 2024, here we come. It's officially up and listed on the Orion Training Group website. So if you guys are following them, if you're following me and you're somebody in the Southeast Michigan or honestly anywhere in Michigan area, it's because it's going to be a three-day class. So it might be actually worth the trip to uh, come on down, stay in a hotel, get an Airbnb, whatever, and come learn from, I believe it'll be Jared and Jason of Orion Training Group running the three-day uh, flexible search course. Super excited for that. Cannot wait. Cannot get here fast enough. But uh, Joe is another one of the cadre members. He teaches the same curriculum that, that Jared and Jason do. So again, really, really pumped to be able to dive into this, pick his brain and and talk about you know everything that happened in the class, questions I still have, uh, you know, things like that. It's going to be really cool, guys. I think if you're somebody who is looking into taking a CQB course, if which is a lot of people these days, honestly, or you're somebody that has taken one, didn't know if you got good information or not, or maybe you're just curious in general, maybe just a supporter of the podcast, I think you're really going to, you know, enjoy this uh, discussion. So 
Before I get over to that, I have to say thank you to all of our supporters on our Patreon page. You guys are the absolute best. And we had a couple more people sign up uh, in the last couple days here. I got the notifications. I was at work. uh, And guys, the support's outstanding. We cannot do the things that we do without your support. You know, uh, the trip to Pennsylvania, it was a great example uh, of, you know, how we were able to make something happen based off of support that came from the Patreon page. Uh, that money all went directly straight to that trip and making that possible. So huge kudos to you guys. If you guys aren't checking out our Patreon, head on over, give it a look-see. There's a couple different tiers going on. We do videos, we do blogs, we got targets and stuff. All, just all kinds of information. If you like what we're doing on the Instagram, and you know, if you're not following us on Instagram, you should, but check out the Patreon. There's even more information. And as a Patreon patron, you have even further access to us. You can actually request certain content. You can request information. You can you know interact with the team just a little bit more. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod and check out everything that we're doing there. Now, in addition to the support from our patrons, we do have several sponsors, partners, right, of industry that make what we do possible as well. We are a sponsored podcast and it's really cool that we get to, you know, work uh, together and team up with these companies to bring great products to you guys and, and promote them and make sure you're aware of these companies. There's so many companies these, you know, these days guys that are out there, they're selling products they're developing products, doing all these things. And sometimes it's hard to keep track. It's hard to find the good companies out there. It's hard to find the good quality products. So we want to make sure that we are bringing nothing but the best to you, our listeners, to make a healthy recommendation on where you should go to spend your hard-earned money. And with that, we have to say thank you to our first sponsor, Custom Night Vision. Guys, you can head on over to their website, customnightvision.com, and check out, I mean, everything they have going on. If you're looking to get into night vision, you're like me, right? You just didn't know what you didn't know. There's so much to tell. There's so much to learn. Start with a monocular, like the Tonto housings. They have those in stock. You can start with the PVS-14. They have tons of those in stock. And we're talking at all levels here. So maybe you're trying to go just as cheap as possible because you don't know how often you're going to use it. It's fine. They have Photonis tube options. They have LBIT tubes. They have L3 tubes. Tons of options, all in stock ready to ship out to you. Now, if you don't know what any of those things mean, if Photonis, Elbit, all that, you have no idea. The cool part is they have a built-in chat functionality on the site, so you can reach out and you can actually talk to somebody at Custom who's going to be able to guide you in your purchase. And past that, while you're on the page looking, you want to make sure you were, you know, if you're like me, I freaked out when I bought my first tube. I didn't want any blems. I didn't want any little black dots anywhere on the lens. And I didn't, I didn't care if the other stats were high, low. I was super adamant about not having any of that. Well, the guys at custom have total transparency in the purchasing process. And you can actually see in their drop down menu, you can select the different tubes that you want and you can see which one you're ordering and what that looks like, what the quality is, if it's got the little blem or whatever in it, and you can make sure that you're ordering exactly what you want whether it's white phosphor, green phosphor, hell, maybe you got a little bit more cash. You're ready to jump up into uh, binocular housings like the 1431s that I have or some RNVGs or, or, or whatever you're looking at to make some katanas, right? There's a lot of options that are all in stock and ready to ship quickly. They'll be at your door in absolutely no time. Guys, head on over to customnightvision.com. Let them take good care of you. Pick up a helmet, pick up a light, a laser, whatever you need to get your night vision game squared away so you can get out there, you can get training, and get into it. They're great. Can't say enough nice things about custom night vision. 
Thank you as well to our pals over at HRT Tactical Gear. Guys, HRT's awesome. I ran their LBAC carrier in the same class we're going to be talking about with Joe. And, you know, honestly, no hot spots, no discomfort, no... Uh, adjustment. Nothing failed. It was absolutely outstanding. I even had compliments uh, on their back panels uh, on how square it was, how well it was made. And this was from somebody who actually had owned a, or does own a nylon company. So people who are in the know, they admire the work. They understand it's a quality product. If you guys are looking for a plate carrier, check out their L-back, their rack, the H-rack. If you're looking for a belt, right? Inner belt, outer belt combination things, check out their arc line. Really, really cool stuff. They use that Tigris material that's so hot in the industry right now and make some super high-quality stuff. Very durable, very lightweight. They use even the Tigris to to replace molly clips, so you have a slimmer, lighter package that is even more secure than the traditional molly strips that we're all, or I'm sorry, malice clips that we're all using to secure our gear. Uh, You can pick up some mag pouches, all kinds of good stuff, guys. Can't say enough nice things about HRT and their products. I've been absolutely blown away with everything that I'm running from them. Very, very happy and highly recommend them. Also have to give a huge shout out here to 100 Concepts. Guys, everyone runs the light caps. Absolutely everyone runs them. If you haven't been paying attention, they actually just launched their shock collar, which is cool because the, one of the, the only gripes, really what's not to love about their light caps, their scope caps, what the team's doing there, right? The biggest gripe everybody had was uh, the Ranger bands they used to retain everything. I actually really liked how simple of a solution that was and that you have extra Ranger bands laying around all the time. So if one snaps, breaks, gets cut, whatever, you can just throw another one on. But for the people that were not down with that solution, their shock collar has just dropped. That replaces the Ranger band, gives you much shorter length of paracord, I'm sorry, shock cord you have to use to retain that light cap, to retain that scope cap, and no rattles, no extra noise, keeps everything exactly in the place it should be. Awesome, awesome solution. I was actually messaging Jonah about that a couple days ago as I was doing some fitment stuff and and helping them out with that. Really, really happy to be working with 100 Concepts. You guys, check out their website, 100concepts.com. Their company motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. And finally, but certainly not least, last but but not least, at any rate, (laughs) thank you to John over at LARP Labs. Guys, LARP Labs is killing it with their 3M vinyl wraps. I know they're just now getting ready to drop the LS321 wraps. If you guys are one of the, I guess, the what the internet says, you're the pores, right? You're running the Hollow Sun laser unit, which a lot of guys really take advantage of the performance for the price, the civilian-powered laser market. LARPlabs.com is your stop to pick up a new wrap in M81, Multicam, Ranger Green, Coyote Brown, whatever you need. They even set you guys up with discount code Prepared Mindset to save you 10% off your order when you go to pick one up. In addition to the LS321s, uh, you can also pick up wraps for your EOTech Optics, your Hollow Sun stuff, uh, SIG, Cloud Defensive, Aimpoint, Vortex, tons and tons of options. Head on over to LARPLabs.com and pick some up today. So huge shout out to those companies. And again, thank you to all of them for their support of what we do here at Prepared Mindset. But again, this week's guest is Joe from Orion Training Group, uh, you know, former Marine, law enforcement, uh, really, really funny guy, uh, very much enjoyed being in class with him, uh, you know, for the day and a half. Uh, and honestly felt just, it felt really felt for him because I know uh, both he and Jared had taught a five-day class 
leading straight into the day and a half course that they gave, uh, you know, myself and my classmates for the HTA charity event. So he was really, really, uh, at the end of things there and man, and still managed to do a fantastic job with us was, was just great at communicating. Really, really enjoyed it. Can't say how, I can't say that enough. I know I've already said it a few times, but it was great. Uh, I learned so, so much. Um, and I think you guys are really going to dig the conversation here. So I'm just going to get on over to that, my conversation this week with Mr. Joe Pistone. Joe, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you, buddy? Good, man. I'm I'm ready. I'm so, I've been looking forward to this uh, since I got back from, from class two weeks ago or weekend, whatever the hell it's been, you know, uh, it was a blast. I learned a bunch. I, I didn't fall. You guys gave us that warning before it started, like someone's going to trip and eat shit. And yeah. it wasn't me. So big win. Um, but yeah, I've really been looking forward to getting into this and sitting down and talking with you. Um, can you go ahead and let's just let's just start, you know, uh, introduce yourself to listeners, uh, let them know who you are and kind of what your what your background is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Joe Pistoni, um, I work for Orion Training Group on the side, um, kind of my part-time slash takes up a lot of my other free time uh, job. Yeah. Um, so pretty fortunate to be working with Jared and the guys at OTG. Um, I'm one of the primary firearms and CQB guys over there. Um, helped design some of the curriculum for that. Um, my full-time job, I'm a, a patrol supervisor at a sheriff's office here in North Carolina. Um, spent about nine years on active duty in the Marine Corps, uh, doing infantry and uh, some other specialized jobs within that. I'm more than happy to talk about that during our time together today and that's kind of really it man um yeah got some family and um i have a daughter and a wife and been married for almost 10 years now um got a dog with a torn acl that we have to pay to go get surgery on here soon so oh big fun yeah exactly um but yeah that's pretty much me in a nutshell man just happy to be here with you and thanks for the opportunity to come talk with you um been really looking forward to it also since you brought it up to me uh brought it up to me that day um, it's not really something i do very often so pretty pretty pumped that you would think of me to think i was yeah. interesting enough to talk to you <laughs> yeah no uh i again having you have been in front of me during class like i i think it's if anything we'll just sit here and, and make fun of me the whole time but uh yeah. <laughs> there there's plenty to get into and i think that you know, the whole concept, right, of of civilians learning CQB is something that's really starting to kind of take hold in, I hate using the word community because we don't really act like a community uh, so much, but it's something that people are getting, uh, they're getting into and they're wanting to invest in and they're, and, and they're wanting to learn. And so let's, let's start a little bit with how you got to this point. Where when where did you learn your CQB skills? I don't know if that's like a basic thing that's taught in the Marine Corps or not. Um, and it seems like you definitely have a depth of knowledge beyond just basics too. So, where did you start, and and how did you get to you know end up teaching? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you get a very and people that have been in the military and stuff prior, and even in basic forms of law enforcement, you uh, you get a very basic kind of fire hose, so to speak, of information um, in terms of interior tactics and just CQB in general. Um, and, you know, granted, all of it's kind of tailored slightly different depending on the theater that you're in or what your job is or what your mission set is or the scope of what you're actually performing. But um, so I got very minimal training when I first got in the Marine Corps, like everybody else does. Um, 
we call it military operations and urban terrain um, instead of CQB, um, just based off of like, you know, we're operating in urban areas and and or desert and or jungle and whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, yeah, so very minimal training in the entry level pipeline of being a Marine. And then um, I was in the infantry. So you get a little bit more of that kind of as you go along, because, you know, that's part of your primary job is to go and clear structures and compounds and things of that nature. So I wouldn't say it was anything advanced, but you do get a little bit more specialized and um, centralized training on that kind of stuff. Um, but definitely nowhere near the instructor level um, with that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we're talking about like urban warfare in, in that sense. So a um, little bit of, of training and time doing that. And then kind of as my career in the Marine Corps progressed, you get exposed to more and more through the amount of time that you spend in and deployments and specialized schools and things like that. So um, I was fortunate enough to partake in a couple of different um, schools for advanced clearing techniques and, um, you know, more mountain structure clearance and stuff from people that are much better at this kind of thing than I was at the time and still are. Um, and then kind of towards the end of my career, um, I was able to um, work at a schoolhouse where our sole purpose in life was just CQB stuff. Um, so what we did at that school was we produced a new military occupational specialty or an MOS um, that their sole purpose in life was to clear structures. So like we, that was our bread and butter was structure clearance. Um, oh, wow. Okay. You know, tactics. So a little bit, a little bit of other stuff here and there we did um, for a brief amount of time. We did some, um, visit board search and seizure stuff. So some VBSS um, getting on and recapturing ships. Uh, but that kind of faded away just with the, the mission set. But, you know, that schoolhouse even then developed from working with other agencies and other entities as well. So there's been a lot of development um, in that arena as well from that school that I was able to work at towards the end of my, my time on active duty. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse, I think there's an overall assumption that anybody who's gone through that basic CQB, CQB level training glass houses and stuff in the infantry. Um, and I say this lovingly because I have a buddy who was like very adamant about trying to show me stuff prior to our course together. Sure. And it was like very like, oh, no, dude, you got to do it this way. You got to do it this way. Like, all right, all right, dude. And then we got in the class and right out the rip, you know, uh, I want to say probably at least like half of what, of what, what I thought I knew was like, Hey, um, no, not, not a thing anymore. Very old school. Um, so it is kind of interesting getting one perspective and, and spending a couple of hours, you know, just with buddies learning that and then stepping into what, you know, you guys were, uh, were, were teaching and not to say that one's completely right. And one's completely wrong. I think there's probably a healthy space for, for both some of the, some or some of, I guess the older concepts and the newer ones, but, uh, did you see, you know, and I don't know how, how long were you, or you said nine years. Did you yeah. see that in front of you when you're, you were in the Marines, did you watch that transformation kind of happen from some of the old school stuff that came out of eighties and nineties concepts as we learned more during, you know, uh, GWAT? Yeah. Um, what's funny about that is like, there's, <clears throat> you know, not to go on a whole rant about why the Marine Corps is awesome, but part of why the <laughs> Marine Corps is awesome. Um, it's just, just the philosophy and like the, the, the study of warfare behind everything we do. So, you know, there's, don't quote me on the exact time frame, but generally doctrine is 10 years or more 
behind the power curve of what is actually relevant in theater, depending on yeah uh, what the actual mission is and like yeah um you know what where it is and, and where the war is taking place and what we're doing. So you know, urban warfare and jungle warfare evolves into you know counterinsurgency operations, um, and that turns into mountain warfare. And then you're talking about like open desert operations and vehicle stuff, and that there's always a growth that takes place. And again, you're always behind the power curve. So even the stuff I learned at the very beginning of my career, I wouldn't say it was irrelevant um, or it doesn't work anymore. Um, it's just that there are always new developments in tactics and stuff that, excuse me, are created because of problems and solutions that were developed in, you know, in real time. Yeah. And it takes time for that stuff to be published and vetted and, you know, pumped out to the masses as like the new thing that we're teaching. Um, and, you know, and then, of course, there's always like the guerrilla warfare aspect of things, which is my f- absolute favorite part about the Marine Corps is that um, and I forgot which general said this. It was I think it was some foreign general um, uh, or something during one of our conflicts. But it, it, in summer, he basically quoted us and said that the Marine Corps is so dangerous because we have all this doctrine and we don't use it. Like we have all this stuff in publications and like in, in all these manuals and stuff. And like it's all open source. So like anybody and everybody can freaking read it, um, but we just don't use it. So like the guerrilla warfare aspect of things and like having an infantry or like a, a unit that's able to adjust and, um, you know, m- make do with what's available and um, constantly just reassess and reevaluate the tactics that are being used in real time. That's what makes us, you know, one of the greatest fighting forces on the face of the planet. Um, and then you take that same mindset, you, you apply it to, you know, other things that you're doing in other career fields, like even in law enforcement and just your ability to adjust like that is what makes you such a critical thinker and so much more efficient in the middle of whatever it is you're exposed to. Um, but yeah, there was a huge, a huge change from the stuff I learned at the very beginning of my career. And you'll hear me say this a thousand times, but context is everything, right? So what I was learning at the very beginning given the context may not work with some of the stuff I was learning towards the end of my career because the context was totally different. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, definitely a, a lot of change during, during the time. And I'm sure people before me and after me will just continue to attest to that. Yeah, no. And, and some of the, like I said, some of the, the, the first things we got into in class, like even just talking about overlapping sectors of fire or where people are supposed to stand when they made entry through a threshold was so drastically different and talking to people afterwards, uh, guys in the class and everything, the old school thought of everyone takes a corner and, you know, muzzles to the center of the room. And that's what I had been taught, you know, granted, not that the person teaching me was any great shakes or anything. And I don't think they were supposed to be, but you know, just we got into that and immediately it's like, well, if you start thinking about where your your muzzle is and safety and how we're going to do this, like you start kind of, being able to figure out like why that changed. Like it makes sense when you think about it as a, I'll use the term like layperson, right? You don't really yeah. consider past the concept of, you know, complete coverage when you start looking at not flagging each other or uh, even panning outside the doorway was like, I, I brought that up when I was like, again, hanging out with my buddies. I'm like, Hey, you know, I saw this in a video, you know, Jared and Jason talked about this. Should, should we, I don't know, like look at some of this stuff and they go, Oh yeah. But what if there's somebody in there with a gun? Like shoot them. <laughs> and then I see them before they see me, hopefully. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like maybe shoot them. I, I don't know. And like, so they were like, they were really hesitant on that and, you know, and they're good dudes. They're, they're, they're good friends. One's a former Marine, but he was just infantry. Um, another guy was, you know, he's 
uh, he was actually in Blake's uh, class at the the charity event. Um, oh. He should have taken CQB. I was like, you guys just watched PowerPoint for four hours. I, I just, I did stuff. We did a whiteboard for like 20 minutes. It was great. Um, but it, it, it really did. It showed like the drastic differences and, uh, and I thought you guys did a really good idea or, or good job uh, articulating those ideas and explaining why it worked, you know, what yeah. you were teaching and stuff. Um, you know, the, the pieing the door, uh, or I'm sorry, panning. I don't think we really even got into to pieing. Um, but just that, uh, that methodology, that, that approach to what we were trying to w- learn and achieve was, is that a, I guess is that like a new wave type of thing or is that like an old method? I mean, where does that really come from? Cause you hear so many different things thrown around. It's kind of hard for people to figure out what works and what doesn't, you know? Yeah. Um, especially if, well, if we're talking about just like what we do with Orion training group, as far as like our curriculum, um, you know, we don't claim to have reinvented the tactics wheel on anything. Like that's, that's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. And you know, you have to be mature enough also to, go to one of our classes and understand that like it's a principle-based clearing system that combines and provides context to the why behind the multiple ways that you can approach a situation right so yeah you are going to learn four different ways you could do stuff just from the outside of the door and we're not saying that any one just generically is better than the other it's solely based on the context of what you are perceiving right and you know that's 90% 90% of the CQB stuff is like processing, right? It's like, yeah, what oh do yeah. I, how can I react the best way to that? Which is why we don't, you know, swear to any one doctrine. Um, because like you said, there's a million different ways you can do CQB. And people tend to get really sensitive when you talk about CQB stuff because, you know, they may have learned it one way, but again, it's because their one way was relevant to what they were doing at the time. And then you go to another school of thought and their style was relevant to what they were doing at the time. Um, which none of which is wrong. So we kind of try to blend options and present those in a way that you can understand like, okay, if I see this and I have the ability to process, which I should, if I process in time, I can set myself up to do X, Y, and Z or, or utilize this technique to better combat what it is that I'm processing. Right. When I'm faced with this situation, I've seen it before. I just pulled this technique out of my playbook and I'm like, cool, I can, I can use this now. Um, so it's kind of where we coined the term um, flexible search system as our style of teaching CQB stuff. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's not, you know, we don't call it like dynamic entries for dummies or like de- deliberate clearing for, you know, this mission. It's like, no, dude, like no matter what mission you're faced with, like you'll be able to pull a technique um, that is going to give you the, to, to quote one of my other buddies, um, Yusef Sensor, he uh, owns Esoteric. Um, and I've been training with him for, for years now and just picking his brain. He's just a wealth of knowledge. But he always says the two things that, that matter in a gunfight and in a situation when you're applying tactics against an opposed force is survivability and lethality. Like whatever it is you choose to do tactics-wise, I don't care if you pie the door, if you pan it, if you dynamic, if you run it upside down, like you should only be doing things that increase survivability and lethality. And if you look at your tactics and they're not giving you those two things, then you're probably utilizing something incorrectly or you're not choosing the correct thing for that situation. Um, You know, some of that can be pre-planned, some of that you just have to react to in the moment. And I've had many a situation in real life where I thought I was going to go in doing a certain thing 
and the situation changes without warning and you're just like, oh, I have something for this. And you just have to be able to react to it and, you know, hopefully do the right thing. <laughs> no, and that was that was probably uh, one of my favorite parts of the class, but also one of my most frustrating. I know there's a yeah. few times when I think we, we were going over like dead space and, and opposing danger areas and things. And I we made entry to the, the the room, whatever. And I did something, whatever. And I stopped and I looked at you and you just stared at me. And I was like, I feel like I did something wrong. You're like, well, what did you do wrong? I'm like, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> You're like, well, technically what you did, isn't actually wrong. It's just like less right than what you could have done. And here's why. Um, and I, I remember at least twice that happened where I was like, I have no idea what I did wrong. I feel like I did something wrong though. And the the understanding of two what I'll say the big two things or huge takeaways for me were really understanding that there is more than one way to do things and it's not necessarily wrong right. um you know but also be how to think through it like by the I'll say because I left a little bit early on the second day but there was at least on some of the fundamental stuff because I don't think anything we got into was super complicated right. at least some of the fundamental stuff I was able to like okay I screwed up and then I was actually able to repeat it back and go this is why that's a problem starting to understand like you said the I think that you were use the word principles right but understand right. principles perspective why what I did was wrong I think honestly I pushed on a wall or something and I didn't honestly I think I what did I do oh I think it was where I squeezed Josh against a wall or something I was and I, he was behind me shoving me I'm like what is going on I have no fucking clue <laughs> why he's back there shoving me and you're like well because you stepped in front of him so we had to and i was oh okay you know like oh yeah and then this does this and this and it starts to make more sense once you kind of get into it but uh it it it's almost overwhelming at first you know yeah it can be it's um cqb stuff man it's like it takes a little bit of finesse and i don't want to get like too philosophical with it because like yeah you are just you know, entering a box with some, some friends of yours, but at the same time, like there is an art and a science to it. Um, and the deeper of an understanding you have to the principles and how to apply them to your mission. And the more you work together and stuff like that, like you'll, you'll find that things tend to flow a lot easier and a lot more mm -hmm. smooth. Um, and it becomes just like a very well articulated dance when everything goes right. Um, but, you know, of course there's tons of situations where, you go to enter a room and you thought you had a plan of what route you were going to run. And then you trip over, you know, a seven foot bong and a Pekingese. And then there's somebody sleeping on the floor and you're just like, I did not plan for this. Um, but yeah. you know, <laughs> execute stuff, you know, based on principles, um, generally you're able to adjust. And there's, there's a common phrase that people use when you're learning something or like you're, you're executing a new skill or whatever. And it's like, Oh, that's just another tool for your toolbox. And I talk about this all the time with like other trainers and other people that specialize in different um, disciplines. And they're like, yeah, like having, having a toolbox full of stuff is great. But like some dudes have been doing, you know, their art and discipline for decades. Right. And it's like, well, now my toolbox is no longer a toolbox. It's a garage full of shit. So like, how do I narrow that down to a certain set of skills that I can make more of like a tool belt and be a little bit more like Batman and less like a hoarder on TLC and like right. choose a very specific set of things that are principle based and that I know are going to have a high success rate with like low output from me. And like, those are generally the things that you want to be, uh, be doing more often because they're repeatable under stress, hopefully. Right. And that's right. where like the training comes in and, 
you know, okay, these are the things that I need to do. Like, what are my critical skills and my critical missions? And what are the types of things that I need to make repeatable under pressure? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's definitely the right way. I mean, especially with, I'll say probably in the civilian space where you guys, I know you do law enforcement training too, so I, I shouldn't say m most of or, or any of that stuff, but we're, I know everybody in our class for the most part was civilian and we all have various jobs and our brains are full of various amounts of crap and shit that, you know, we have to retain. So to me, the less is more approach makes a ton of sense. Um, and also when you can, you can leverage those skills in more than one way, you know, uh, it, just the way you're able to think about things. And that, that honestly, for me was probably the coolest part was by the end of it, being able to look at something and make it, it like at least an 80% assessment of what I should do and why and everything. Um, sure. In addition to, and uh, Jason actually asked me about this when I did a live uh, a couple of days ago, but you know, biggest takeaway, I was like, man, it, you can go so much slower than you think you need to. And it's still probably not slow enough. Uh, it, it, I don't know why Every, everything felt like everyone. I know when I, I was not eager to go first on anything, the first couple of times guys tried stuff here, go ahead and pan the doorway super fast. Um and actually, I think you were the one you wrote uh, some numbers and letters on a whiteboard. Like, here, why don't you read that for me? Guy had absolutely right. no clue. And it's right. not an uncommon thing, I'm sure. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's people outrun their brain all the time. Um, there's recently been um, a discussion on social media with a few different groups of people. Um, Jared Reston, which I've never personally had the the honor to work with or anything, but I've been following him for a long time and his training. Um, I think he's probably retired now or maybe he's on his way to retire he's a an officer down in jacksonville florida the last i remember but he's got a a great story um and a great series on mindset and just training in general but him and another guy from kinetic consulting um they were having a discussion or at least reposting stuff about processing times and you know like are you just doing what's cool at the range or like are you doing stuff that you're you're going to wind up outrunning your brain um you know the, the example they used was shooting a bill drill like shooting a build drill is great. Like you can shoot six rounds in 1.5 seconds. But like when you break that down and you think, okay, well, how long does it actually take my brain on average to process change or process stimulus? And it's like a quarter of a second. So for me to see react or come up with a plan and react through physical action, that's a quarter of a second of time. So if you divvy that up between six rounds, you just fired in a second and a half, like, you were essentially shooting at something after it had already moved and you're probably not even shooting it anymore because um, it's not, it's physically not there. So they did a couple of different examples um, and like, you know, put a target up on the wall and shot a build drill as fast as they could. And before you know it, the target had fallen and three, you know, the last three rounds were hitting the wall and not the target because you weren't able to track it quick enough because your brain wasn't ready to process it. You were dedicated to pulling the trigger six times within a second and a half. Right. Right. But that 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 kind of mindset directly correlates to stuff like CQB, for example, where, you know, if you're just going through the motions, you've already preset in your mind, I'm going to shoot six rounds as fast as I can. You're not actually processing the change same way that you guys learned. We're like, OK, I'm going to pan this door. Well, I wasn't responsible for actually seeing anything inside the room before. So I'm going to make it look good. But then when I put something inside the room that you have to react to, whether it be a person or I need you to read stuff or I need you to see each corner whatever it is, now you're like, okay, my speed, my physical speed changes because I know that my rate of exposure can't outrun my rate of process. Like I can't, I literally can't outrun my brain. Otherwise I'm exposed to too much at, at one time. 
right? I think that was probably the <clears throat> one of the big uh, moments that I saw like start to click in people's head when we started doing that isolated drill. We were panning the door and uh, we busted out like the sim rounds and the mantis and all that stuff. We did that that drill where we had like three targets and a sector of yeah. fire. Yeah, I, re I really saw a lot of change in speed there because prior to putting you know ammo in their guns or a mantis in their hand, um, they were just blown right across that door, right? Because there was no responsibility. And there was no accountability because there was no targetry there, nothing to shoot at, nothing to point a laser at. Um, so really, there was no way for them to lose. But you start doing that stuff opposed, and then you're covered in you know blue paint. And you're like, oh, I did outrun my brain. <laughs> well, and and you nailed me on it as well because, uh, and I was running with a mantis. But after watching, I know you demoed it, and I think we one or two other guys did it. And at that point, everybody who was there observing, you know, as part of the class was like, oh, I know there's three targets. I know I'm putting two rounds on each. And like, I did the same thing. You, you like overdrive your headlights or whatever, and you're overexposed and it just turns into an Alprez drill rather mm -hmm. than actually. And I think you had to say it to me twice before it really clicked. Like, dude, you're just, you're not, you're not searching for work. You're just running it like a drill. And I was right. like, well, yeah, we're doing a drill. But then the second time you said it, I don't know, you probably said it differently or something. I can't remember, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I know it's there. And suddenly that's the kind of stuff that starts to click when you see people posting some of those, like, uh, I don't know, those like sayings or isms on, on, you know, social media, you talk about training scars and stuff. And it's like, well, sure. this is the disadvantage to training this way is, yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you can anticipate and you see what people are doing. You, you can, it can lead to training scars. However, that's not to say there's no value in it. Um, and that's yeah. honestly the thing that hates that I hate the, the most about these discussions is people get into it and like, well, you know, if you knew the target was there, if they were shooting back, if this, if this, and it's like, well, <clears throat> come on, man. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, we talked about like context being super important because like build drills are great. Like I'm not saying don't shoot build drills and neither was Jared Reston or, or the guy from Kinetic Consulting, yeah. but he's basically just saying that like, it's a marksmanship drill and not a tactics relative drill. Like no one is saying go shoot a bill drill in a deadly force situation. Right. But mm -hmm. we are going to go to the range and you want to train recoil management and you want to pressure test your grip and your sight picture and things like that at range or at close distances, then yeah, a bill drill is a great way to diagnose specific marksmanship ability. Um, if that's what you're looking to do and, di and to diagnose. And if that's what, if you have the ability to do that with yourself or somebody else to hold yourself accountable, um, but I think too often in the training realm, we we merge like marksmanship stuff and tactics in the wrong areas. They do correlate. Like you definitely have a responsibility to utilize good marksmanship in a tactical scenario, but the drills don't always match up, right? Like you're you're not always testing the correct thing that correlates to what you're going to do in a tactical scenario. Um, but again, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I've got I've got no gripes with running build drills or whatever else you want to do at the range just it's more about just knowing your why and how it translates to you know the bigger picture right yeah well and 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 i'll say again you know this is where i our community doesn't exactly act like a community because you do see so many people trying to like poo poo on working on those kinds of things a build drill uh a one reload one or whatever and and I get it because you see people also manipulate the other side of things where, you know, oh, well, you can't just say context controls everything, except that it really kind of does. Uh, but you're not literally planning those to use those in that exact context in, like you said, like a gunfight. I'm not going to do a one reload one in the middle of 
a gunfight with somebody. It's just, right. it is a creative way to save ammo right. and, like, and still work on your recoil. Yeah. And reload. Don't show up at my USPSA match and say, I didn't use cover correctly or like I didn't hide the targetry the right way or like, or yeah. my multiple target engagement wasn't realistic or whatever. Like, or, Oh, you totally would have died. You didn't see that target before he saw you. It's like, no dude, this is a game. It's a little tactics, tactics. Like I'm playing a right. game now. Shoot targets as fast as I can with the most accuracy. Like that's what hit factor is, man. Like I'm playing a game right now with a gun. Um, you know, I'm obviously being safe and, and all that, but I'm pushing myself in a different way than I would be pushing myself in a tactical scenario, right? Like, there's a lot less thinking in in a game like that. You you strategize a little bit about how you're going to run a run a stage or a course of fire. Um, but again, it doesn't directly translate to what you're doing in a tactical scenario. No, and and honestly, that's you know, I kind of that's what I appreciate about the kind of training that we were doing. It is it's so thought driven um, and like mentally stimulating, uh, honestly, to the point of failure for, you know, some of us, I, I made mistakes. I know several guys in the class made mistakes and that's, that's learning. Um, but when you apply stress to those kinds of situations, I think that, you know, and, and this is the thing that one of the things that, that really just irks me is people talk about, you shouldn't learn tactics. Civilians shouldn't learn tactics. You don't need to know this stuff. Um, I'm sure you guys at OTG have heard it from people on the internet. You shouldn't be teaching this to civilians. They don't need it. And it's like, well, I would beg to differ. I mean, maybe if literally not for the exact applications, what we were learning, you know, room clearing, whatnot, the ability to process things, teaching somebody, you know, how to work through those things physically and mentally, there's a lot of value in that. And I think that it gets overlooked. I mean, almost entirely in that, in that, in that argument. Yeah. I mean, who am I to say, like, who is and isn't worthy of learning open source information from professionals? Like, it's it's no different than saying that civilians shouldn't be able to go to the gun range or like what. And I get it, man. There's like this huge argument. And, and I don't care either way, honestly. Like, I'm going to continue to do what I do, um, regardless from people that want to learn and want to be there that are just good people and your average American citizen. But, you know, who's who's worthy of learning this kind of thing? Like why should or shouldn't civilians learn this kind of thing? And, you know, if they, if they want to learn, they should join the military or they should go be law enforcement. It's like, love that one. Yeah. That's my favorite. I mean, it's just such a a moot point that like, it just bothers me that you even want to waste your breath saying that. And, and the comparison between like the whole second amendment thing and like was learning tactics in the constitution or not. It's like, who the, like, who cares? Like if it was or wasn't, we're doing it now. Right. Like it, it's what's happening. So if people want to use it for, for the good, then good. But just like anything else, just like the same person that drinks and drives, if they want to use their driver's license in their 2000 pound vehicle for bad and for evil, then they will. So like right. you're going to go to driving school because like they're going to learn how to use their vehicle for, you know, as a weapon of mass destruction. Like it, it is what it is. Right. But to me, it just means that. I, you know, I don't believe in gatekeeping. I do believe that there are sensi- more sensitive topics that you probably should be in the know to know. Um, you know, we're not out here like releasing the world secrets or like the the ultimate tactics of whatever special operations team that like only they're allowed to know and stuff. But like I said, this stuff is in a book somewhere anyway. And it's 90, like 99% of it is the same stuff we've been doing since the beginning of time, just in a slightly different way. Um, mm-hmm. So 
you know, to say that one group or the other doesn't get to learn it is kind of just silly. And to me, it, it just means that the military groups and or the units and, and those in law enforcement that are doing this on a daily basis, that's like your obligation to just be that much better because just like the, the guy who wants to do evil with a gun and with whatever training he's had, like somebody, yeah, is also capable of doing that with whatever other information, just like they could with, you know, IT information or whatever, but it's ultimately about the person who's in control and what they choose to do with it. So it just means that we just need to be that much better as professionals in those careers that we need to be prepared for the worst case scenario, which is not your rogue U.S. citizen. It's like the person who is hell bent on doing evil with whatever tools they have. So we need to be better trained, you know, sharp. And, you know, if push came to shove and this is what it resulted to, then hopefully there are like I would much rather have a bunch of, you know, American citizens behind me that were trained in marksmanship and tactics. If, you know, the shit hit the fan type situation, then a bunch of dudes that had no idea what they were doing. Right. Oh, yeah. And and that's that's my that is. 110% my biggest gripe with people, friends or not, or family or not, whatever that um, I'll, I'll say are firearms owners and believe themselves to be, uh, I'll just say better than they are. Um, and, uh, you, you know, kind of when I started this podcast, when I started doing all this stuff, we're kind of laughing at some of the things I did because it didn't make sense to them. And now it's kind of morphed to, Hey, when shit hits the fan, I know I'm going to go to your place because you own X, Y, Z, and you know how to do all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well maybe you should also in, I just, I see it as more of like a responsibility type thing. Like if you want to be well-prepared for this, you want to be well-rounded and you want to be you know, some of the people re- uh, re- rely on and 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 look for to be a responder to them in, in a time of need. You really do have that responsibility to at least be somewhat knowledgeable. Like, yeah. uh, otherwise, you just got a bunch of people walking around with lever action rifles that think that they're <clears throat> God's gift to shooting. And that's that's a pretty scary thought, honestly, at least for me in the time <laughs> I might need somebody that that's who I have to rely on. <laughs> Yeah. To be honest, like I never put much thought or focus on like the whole, you know, you're training civilians thing. Like it just never, it never crossed my mind as like an issue or not. It was just like, okay, we're doing this. Like it's whatever. Um, I do get a little bit more joy out of training other law enforcement officers and military just because, um, you know, obviously based on my, my, my history and stuff, like I, I relate more to those groups of guys. So it's a little bit easier for me to teach. Because I know, aside from just being human, like we have a, a you know more of an, a level playing field as far as like how I can relate things and teaching styles and learning styles and stuff. Um, so those shared experiences make it a little bit easier and more enjoyable for me to to teach with those guys. And so I'm su- I'm, I'm also super fortunate to have done that a lot in, during my time on active duty and since becoming a cop. Um, so you know the past five years in law enforcement have been great because I've been able to just continue to enhance the stuff that I, that I learned is, you know, teaching models and stuff um, and continue to do that now with Orion, you know, going on and teaching contracts to different agencies around the country. Um, and then obviously through my open enrollment classes and stuff as well, but that's probably been the greatest thing ever, man. And the only reason why I'm even a fraction of capable that I am now is because I didn't do it alone. Like I, like I said, we didn't invent tactics. Like we didn't invent room clearing. Um, but there are a lot of people that are much better at it than I am that have a lot more operational experience than I did. Um, and those are the guys that I went to to seek guidance on, you know, developing curriculum for 
when I worked at the CQB school in my last few years in the Marine Corps, that curriculum needed needed kind of a, an overdrive um, and just a revamping and just like a freshening up. So um, I reached out to people who, like I said, had been operational for a long period of time that could relate their execution of tactics based on their mission set to what our relevance was and why I needed to redo our curriculum. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't go to the guy who, you know, who taught 25 years at jungle warfare school because not that he can't teach me anything, but how relevant are his lessons going to be to my mission set teaching these guys CQB for a very specific criteria. Um, but I went to, I went to a lot and got a lot of help from, um, a lot of good, a lot of good people. And like I said, Yusef was one of those guys that helped me a lot. Um, and I was, I was fortunate enough to be training with him a little bit um, towards the end of my career um, while I was still on active duty um, and was able to go out to where his team was training and jump in with those guys a little bit and ask questions and see them work. Um, and he comes from a very high operational tempo um, SWAT team in North Carolina. Um, and he has, you know, decades of experience doing stuff overseas and all over the place. So he, that man is a wealth of knowledge. Um, even just his outlook on training and his outlook on developing tactics and stuff. Um, just really helped guide my, the rest of my time at that schoolhouse. And then I kind of took that same relationship and, you know, reached out to other people again that were doing similar stuff and had the relevance to be able to kind of keep me within the left and right lateral limits of, um, you know, just staying relevant into what I was looking to get out of it. And just that's kind of where flexible search came from was developing curriculum that made sense um, for the end user, really. And so when you're looking at like how that all came to be, like how long did that take? I Cause I mean, I can imagine that any number of people would look at it and say, well, you're just teaching these things. You just teach what you know. And that's that. But I, I mean, anybody who's actually taught, right. And anybody who's actually done it knows that it's not just as simple as we're just going to wing it. We're just going to, we're just going to go for it and see what happens. Uh, how long did it take you guys to like, to really, and I'm sure it's probably like a, a very organic process. I'm sure you're still changing and refining, but how long does it, did it take to start really making that idea of the flexible search curriculum that you guys have today really come together? Dude, I, I shit you not. It was probably the easiest thing I've, I've ever done in my entire <laughs> life. And I, I say this as more of a testament to like guys like Jared and Jason and Blake um, and now Alex and some, and Will, um, and just, just our group of dudes that helped develop that we, we were in a group chat for like a solid three years before any of us had ever actually like touched the same ground as each other, right? Like without ever meeting in person. So everything we ever did was either, you know, in a text message or in a video chat, or we'd have a zoom call or whatever it was. And we would develop this stuff and we would literally do like little teach backs, um, on video and like discuss stuff and have these discussions and do little whiteboard things. And luckily everybody came with like a melting pot of experience, like actual operational experience and schoolhouse experience and just exposure to a lot of stuff. Um, so they were able to talk the talk and walk the walk, which was super important. And I'll never forget this. The first class I taught with Jared and Jason was in South Carolina. We went to Berkeley County, South Carolina and did an assessment um, for a SWAT team down there. Um, and this was the first time we had ever been together. And here we are teaching a CPB class to a SWAT team. And again, we had never cleared a single room together in our entire lives. And it was like watching the black swan on ice. Like it was just the most beautiful 
majestic thing you had ever seen. And, and no one had, that was the, that was the beauty of it, is that nobody had a single clue that we had never worked together before. Like here we are in person for the first time teaching a class and, I'm, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. But point is we had done all the legwork ahead of time to feel comfortable with being principle-based. So even if one of us had messed something up, theoretically, no one would ever know anyway, because that's how flexible we were in picking up the slack anyway. And our planning and just the basis of principle-based, initiative-based clearing just made it seem entirely seamless. Like there was no effort for the three of us as strangers to hop in a room together and start demonstrating our curriculum. So it wasn't like we just like showed up and like yelled surprise, like we're just going to randomly teach you CQB. Like we all knew what we were teaching. But, you know, everything up to that point was on paper and in video. And then here we are, you know, going down here in person for the first time. It's like, everyone thought we had like been working together for years or that we'd been on like the same team for years or something. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. we're all from different places. You know, Jared and Jason, you know, they're their own animal because they grew up in law enforcement together, um, you know, on, on SWAT and stuff. And um, I was kind of the outlier for that class, but it was just amazing how like the three of us just absolutely just flowed together because we had an understanding um, of the curriculum and, and of the principles, which is just a testament to the curriculum itself. Like that's essentially what we want people who take the class to be able to do you show up as strangers you start to learn and get the feel for the curriculum and then no matter how many times we, we shake up your group you should be able to jump in a stack with three four guys or whatever it is or the same thing we preach to our law enforcement and military um, counterparts that we teach like same thing no matter how many times we rotate your stack like if you're applying the principles and you're utilizing good initiative based tactics like you'll be able to succeed it doesn't matter if you know who's in the room with you or not you're doing all the right things the right way um, and if you did mess something up, people have the awareness enough, you know, about them to make those corrections. Right. Yeah. And I can, I can only imagine what that must've been like. It sounds cool as shit. I mean, I, I was really, really, uh, geeked when it was like the, yeah, it was the second day and we were addressing, I don't know, coming out of one room to another door, whatever. And I, I'd, I'd been working with Josh for most of my reps during class and he was great. Uh, but he, like, I, I took his outward opening door like it was inward or something. So he knew why I was making that mistake or why I was doing what I was doing and was just like instantly flexible with it, knew it was wrong. He's like, well, I can't tell him right now. So we're just, I'm just going to go with it. Um, and I, and I'll, I won't forget it because like you even told us like, it's not necessarily wrong. You even had us reset it. Like I want to run it again and try it that exact same way. And we're going to see how this plays out, um, which I thought was really cool uh, or an interesting way to, you know, to, to teach that and to learn like it's not wrong it's just not ideal and here's the reasons why yeah um and, and it, it it's it just it's great when you have some at least for me anyways as somebody who was learning a whole hell of a lot to have somebody like that that was more experienced right and was able to like read the situation and go this is why he's doing it this is what i need to do to cover for it and to make up for it and here we go um and I guess that's that's kind of the beauty of it, right? If you understand the principles, um, at least on some base level together, you're able to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love Josh too, man. He's one of my best friends. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were in the same unit together for, for a long time in uh, Camp Lejeune. Um, and then we kind of parted ways. He was on his way out the door. And uh, he wanted to be able to, to teach at um, EOTG for a little bit down at Stone Bay. And then that was kind of when I went to my other unit to go teach CQB. Um, or learn CQB and then teach it um, and try to apply some of that experience and stuff. But Josh is awesome, man. He drove all the way from uh, from Rhode Island to come out there and spend the weekend with us. So I'm glad you got to meet him. 
Yeah, I loved his accent. That was hilarious. Uh, just uh, <laughs> you two together, I'll say we're we're something else. Uh, just it, nonstop. I loved it. It, it was great. Um, but I, I, yeah, and it, it it's you start to get that familiarity with people. Even and it's weird, right? Because it was like at what nine hours the first day. And by right. the second day, like you can just, you start to work, like your group starts to kind of work better together. And we did change some things up, but, um, you know, obviously he's got a pretty, he had a pretty strong existing knowledge base. So that, that obviously didn't hurt. Um, and we had a wide range of guys in class too. So you, I think, I think it helps when it's not just a total bunch of people who are, have never been exposed to it, but um, on the civilian side of that, do you guys ever get that where you just have like a class full of people who have just absolutely no idea and it's, you just really just have to spoon feed it or, I mean. Um, kind of. So I would say like, you know, our curriculum is made so that way we can, you know, tone it down or, or, you know, ramp it up if needed, depending on the skill level of the people that are present. Right. So I taught a class um in wallace north carolina taught a small unit cqb class there or a uh, sorry a fundamental cqb class there and i had like a group of like three best friends slash relatives from the mountains and then like a random medic from the beach um and like a random it guy from raleigh and it was just like the the weirdest like hodgepodge group of six people i i, I ever could think would, would show up to a class um and like they had very little to no knowledge base, right? But again, we started off with pretty much the same way we started off in that class. It's like, hey, here's why we do things. Here's our actions before the door. Here's why we do that. Um, and in those two or three days that we did stuff, like a huge uptick in growth and understanding. And before you know it, like we were able to actually advance into other things like hallway clearances and stuff just based on their level of proficiency and how well they were able to like digest and apply the information. Um, so it really just depends on the individual group as far as like how far you can go or how, how much more explanation you need. And again, you're always catering to different learning styles and stuff too. So some people need to hear it a hundred times. Some people need to do it a hundred times. Um, some need both. Some need you to literally like move their body for them. Um, and I'm not joking. Like some people you actually have to like teach how to walk. And I know like the whole CQB footwork thing is a joke, but like there are people that like you cannot ask to walk and chew gum at the same time or like they will implode um oh yeah and you know nothing against them um I, I love it because it's just like when it clicks it's the greatest thing in the world it's like a kid on christmas or hanukkah whatever you do um and it's it was it was the greatest thing to watch like people like realize oh i can walk this direction and turn my body this direction while holding a rifle um and scanning and doing all this other stuff so it, it's pretty rewarding in that regard i, I, I love seeing that the whole the whole footwork thing i never like i never got why people got so much heartburn over that like i never took it as uh and maybe this is just the way my brain's wired and I know everyone's a little bit different but i i looked at it and was like this is just like a breakdown of how to step through a doorway like if you want to optimize how you're doing this because you're carrying you know and i did it i uh went through a, a doorway and i my, my rear plate bag smacked the shit out of the door frame. I was like, okay, well I fucked that up a little bit. Um, but the videos came out that Orion did and everybody got all bent out of shape about it. And now like I even showed a post to uh, Jared in class. So some other, I'm not going to say who it was, but they threw up a post and now they're, they were one of the people given you guys a bunch of shit about it are now like, Oh, let's talk about some fundamentals of CQB footwork. And it's like, okay, so 
you know, but it was, it's just an easier explanation of how to proficiently do something very simple uh, yeah. while your, your brain is working on other things. I never understood why people got so bent out of shape about, about it. It, it actually helped me tremendously. And I've, you know, I worked on it before I got to class, uh, you know, for a while and I, I think I was better for it, but it never, and it, it never understood the, why people got so upset. Like, Oh, there's no footwork in CQB. Like, well, there's, there's a little bit. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I definitely can't go back, but I kept saying kinetic consulting. It's definitely kinetic concepts group. I'm so sorry. Um, I always mix those two up. Um, John and uh, the other guy from kinetic concepts, but that was the guy having the the really good discussion um, about the whole build drill thing and processing information. But um, oh, yeah, it's all good. yeah, but either way, the, uh, so it's kind of like, you know, why even bother breaking down, um, you know, your pistol draw from the holster. If like all you're doing is grabbing the gun and ripping it out of the holster and pointing it, like why even break that down into steps or like teach that into steps? Like, well, it's because there's a, there's an efficient way to do it to get the desired result that you want. Right. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like this thing with footwork. Like, yeah, you, in reality, you are just taking steps and walking through a door, but like there is a level of efficiency and understanding that like, if I, preload my body this way and I keep this leg in this orientation and, you know, I try to map out my route and do steps this way. Like I will have a more efficient entry. doesn't mean that every single time you look at a door, you need to like worry about your footwork. It's like, yeah, eventually it'll become like, I know what I'm doing and I'm just walking through the door. But for people, like I said, that have never walked and chewed gum at the same time, like sometimes you do have to explain that you're walking through the door in a way that you're going to result in, you know, jamming your rifle in the door frame or smacking your magazine or coming in hot sideways and then tripping over yourself. I've seen it. So like, yeah, yeah. we'll need that conversation. Um, but not everybody does. So like, you know, there doesn't need to be like a six hour class on how to walk for CQB more good. Right. Like <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah. if and when somebody needs you to break it down, you should have a process and an explanation on how to break it down. Right. Like most people can draw their pistol from the holster without an in-depth explanation. Well, for the brand new person who's never done it before, you probably need to describe an efficient draw stroke to them, right? Yeah, no, and and there's a I, I think I've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, I say it's Dustin Solomon that wrote a book called Building Shooters, and like he talks about that stuff. Like, hey, everyone talks about pulling triggers, but nobody talks about the administrative side of shooting, like how to safely and efficiently perform a draw stroke from a holster or reload or, or unload your gun when you're done at the range or something like that. instead of just shooting it dry. So I mean, it, yeah, you can. And, and I remember Jared even came out and said in class, Hey, you don't have to do it this way, but if you're finding that you have issues getting through the doorway efficiently, if you're finding that the second guy is running into you because you're spending too much time in the threshold, you can do this and try it and, you know, try this and you'll probably find that you have more success. And it just so happens that it actually worked. And, you know, what else do you say at that point other than it, it's probably better to at least know that than not. Uh, you can try it the other way. Uh, I, you know, I, we've all tried it uh, a bunch of different ways, I'm sure. When I had problems, it I know at least one rep, it was because I either tripped over my own foot or had the wrong foot, you know, whatever. It's fine. I still made it through the doorway. Like I didn't not walk through the door, but it just wasn't what it was, what it should be if you're trying to be efficient and successful. Right. So it's, I don't know. Again, that's a, 
that's an that's an internet thing. Uh, some guys will just never get over it. It is funny though. You now you start to see people come full circle back to the concept and go, well, maybe they were onto something. Or here we're going to talk about it too without acknowledging that. Um, and I just yeah. laugh at that stuff because that's the internet, right? Well, I dude, I try so hard. Like I, I'm so oblivious ninety nine percent of the time to like the internet drama. I just don't do it very well. And like the only reason why I made like an Orion Training Group affiliated Instagram was just to be able to promote classes and to, you know, help repost stuff. And so people who were in my small group of following could actually like keep up with things and, you know, from my area, um, which I'm, I'm glad I did, but like, I don't, I don't get involved in the whole drama stuff. man. like every time I hear about, Oh, did you hear what so-and-so said about this or about this person? It's like, no. And I, you know, I don't care. Like unless they're putting out information that's going to make everybody better. Like, the drama is the drama and I just like refuse to get involved. And I see it all the time on like my videos and stuff too, that I post, like my buddy Tyler does a lot of my media and granted, some of them are not like the best in terms of like the clips he chose to put in the hype video, but it's a hype video. And like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm moving with a rifle or something over like uh, some trap house music. And uh, you know, you're going to critique something in my video as if like it was something that I was teaching as the gospel and it's like, dude, I, I don't want to have this argument with you over the internet. Like, just ask me and I'll provide you the context as to what was happening in that moment. Like, but some of it I've learned is my own fault. Like, just if you want to avoid internet arguments and stuff and whatever, you just be careful and be mindful about what you post because people are always going to critique something. Um, and I just, like I said, I just don't do well with the drama, man. I'm just here to, you know, I have a, you know, the ability to to talk to people in a way that, you know, actually they they want to listen and they want to learn. And I have a little bit of information to give while I'm here. So, you know, since I'm in the position to, you know, teach people and all that, and people are going to keep showing up, then I'll continue to give whatever knowledge and information I have and pass it on to everybody else. So that's kind of, you know, what I view as my purpose right now is to continue to learn, continue to teach, and just, you know, take as many people with me as I can. Yeah. No, and and have you found you know I I know Ryan's been up and running for I'm gonna say it's a couple of years now. Have you found that people are I don't want to say more receptive, but people are more uh, eager, you know, are, are 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 I guess like fighting to get into your guys' classes and 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 get to your curriculum and information and things. Uh, I, I know a lot of this stuff. It always just seems like it. It's like a fad, you know. It moves in waves, and a lot of it's driven through social media for better or for worse, but. It seems like, you know, as things start to get more popular, then you get a lot more attention and people start investing in it. Is that, is, is that, have you guys seen that impact? Have you, has that carried through when you guys get more students and are people buying into the value behind this? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, so Jared handles most of the major classes um, and he handles all the registration and he's obviously runs the main, you know, Instagram page and all that. So he has seen the, you know, the data as far as like where we started, how much we grow um, each month with in terms of followers and exposure and views and whatever else. And um, he tracks quarterly the, the registration, all that stuff for classes. So we kind of adjust our, um, our postings of classes based on location and timeframes and stuff based off of when we think it'll do well and offer, you know, the, the masses, the highest opportunity to be able to attend the class. Um, so I can definitely say since Orion Training Group has started, um, like I know we just broke like over 120 or uh, 100,000 followers. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we've reached hundreds of thousands of accounts at this point. Um, so there's definitely been a huge growth in, 
on, on at least my side of things, I've only been public with OTG this since uh, the beginning of this year. Um, and I've been super fortunate to my individual class postings that I run here. Um, most, most of them have sold out um, fairly quickly um, or, or they sell out pretty much before the class takes place, which, you know, I can't, I can't thank everybody enough for, for trusting me to train with them to begin with. And then the cool thing about that too, is I've had, a handful of students that are repeat students that have even taken the same class multiple times. Um, I have, I have like one or two guys that have taken every single class I've put on this year, like <laughs> every single one, like they haven't missed a class yeah. and, and I'm teaching another class this Saturday on the 30th. And then I'm teaching a, a low light class in November and I'm 99% sure they're registered for those two also. Uh, so that's been super cool to like, you know, see that people are actually trusting the process and like trusting me and coming back to me for, you know, different variations of the same information. Um, and then of course, like every class I get brand new students who, you know, it's always nice to hear like, Hey, how did you hear about us? How'd you hear about this class? Like, are you here with anybody? And dude, I've had people travel. I'm in, you know, uh, Eastern North Carolina and I hear people have traveled from my class from, you know, all over my state. People have traveled from Pennsylvania from Detroit, um, from all over the United States to come to my class in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, um, just because of, you know, the name OTG. And then hopefully by word of mouth that like, you know, Hey, Joe's, you know, actually teaching a, a pretty decent class over here. You should come check it out and just get a different perspective. Right. And even in the stuff that I teach individually, you know, I'm not claiming to be some grandmaster shooter or anything like that. Like I'm just a dude with a, with a skill set. Um, and a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of a knack for talking to people and trying to make, you know, information make sense to them. Um, and so people trust me that I'm going to do that in a way that they're going to get their money's there's money, their money's worth. Jeez. Um, and so they continue to come back and like, it's not about making people feel good. It's about people trusting you and like, they're actually getting a result that they want. Um, and I'll tell you, it's challenging. Um, either way you look at it. I mean, I, I would love to have some higher level shooters, like grandmasters and stuff show up and, and see how they like the the curriculum that I've developed. And even then, like I use drills in my marksmanship classes from other companies and from other people. And I put, put that out there from the, from the beginning anyway, it's like, Hey, these are not Joe's drills. Like we're doing this assessment from T-Rex arms today, or we're doing yeah. this drill from VLOX or we're doing uh, this drill from whoever. But what I want you to focus on is the diagnosis of the skill set that we are drilling this drill just does a really good job at showcasing those skills. Um, and really you can print out as many targets as you want from however many different companies, but it's all the same variation of circles, squares, big ones, small ones, and, you know, different sequences. Right. So uh, maybe there'll come a day. Well, I'll, I'll make like a, a Joe TG target and like, you yeah, know, put you that up, print off. But like, it, you know, to me, when I give credit where credit's due, right? Like I have no problem saying that, Hey, we're going to shoot this drill. Um, but people aren't paying for the piece of paper I put up on the target. They're paying for the instruction and and the diagnosis and the criticism and the development, you know, from from what they're doing out on the range, right? So if you could show up one way, shoot someone else's drill, and have me there to help develop your skill set, like that's that's what you're paying for, and that's what I'm going to give you, right? Yeah, and I, I I don't under I never understood people that get hung up on that. You know, I mean, if you're using somebody else's drill, you're using somebody else's drill. Like it just means that it works. Um, yeah. and having gone, gone through the class, uh, that I did, I'll say, I thought you did a really good job with everything. Um, and obviously I didn't, it's like I knew the curriculum ahead of time or knew what I was going to be learning, but 
I'll just say <clears throat> having, you know, like I teach high school music and, you know, teaching is at least relatively similar across most disciplines, but I really appreciate it as somebody who is coming in trying to learn these things on a serious level, you are still very lighthearted about a lot of things, but still I'll say serious enough to like, I remember at one point, like you guys both addressed the class and we're like, you guys are doing fine, but you need to, I, I don't know. It was kind of, to me, it was like the, you, you guys need to lock it the fuck up moment. People were getting really like, I don't know if it was just like not enough sleep or I don't know what the hell happened, but I really, in, I enjoyed the demeanor. I enjoyed how you approached everything. I, I thought that, you know, the explanations were all very good. Um, I really enjoyed the class. So I, it's, it's funny to hear people from Detroit are coming down to North Carolina. I need to find these people and, and be friends with them because like I it's crazy I I po- uh, what did I post somewhere I, I posted something about being at HTA and I had a guy who lives like 25 minutes from me he's like wait were you there I'm like yes I was so I took the apex class I'm like how the fuck ah. <laughs> like, like okay yeah man let's be friends next year we can go together um but yeah I mean I, I thought it was awesome the whole class everything I thought it was great thanks man I mean that's uh it's what we love doing man otherwise we wouldn't have you know, donated our time and all that stuff to be up there with everybody. And one, that event in particular was just for a fantastic cause. So um, for those, everybody that doesn't know, we, we're talking about the human trafficking awareness range day in Templeton um, at Franklin range. But yeah, that was, that was my first time doing something like that anyway. And I was just absolutely stoked to just be there to begin with. And then to be able to like teach a group of dudes that, you know, travel from all over the place to, to be there and train with us. That was just the icing on the cake, man. Like it, I don't know if there, there's potential to make good money in the industry, being able to teach and stuff as long as people want to hear what you have to say. Um, but the bottom line is like, you should be able to do stuff like that and donate your time and your energy and your knowledge to people that want to show up and listen. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, honestly, and, and knowing that it's, that was all for a charity event and just how many people showed up, how many instructors like you were, were willing to donate your time and energy and everything to, you know, pull that together. I, it was great. Um, we're already planning on how to make it out there next year. We will, <laughs> we learned we several lessons were learned on this trip out. We will not be renting an RV next year. We're probably going to do like a, an Airbnb or something that has, you know, plumbed in plumbing, honestly, that, that was probably the worst part of the trip, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was great. Um, and, and I really, man, I appreciate you making the time to, to sit with me, uh, and kind of chat here. Um, it, it really was, it was a great class. Um, anybody who's listening, like I, I honestly do recommend that you guys, any of the Orion classes, but, um, if you are in the North Carolina area, check out what Joe has going on. And, um, and, and man, I do, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the class. I liked all the curriculum. I enjoyed you and Jared, your banter was, it, it was something special. I'll say that, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which again, just makes it all, you know, all the better, but, uh, but thank you, man. Uh, thanks for making the time and carving everything. I know you're busy with work and, and life and things. So this was, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. This was, uh, definitely a good time. I, I love being able to, to kind of share, share the love and share my story a little bit and kind of talk to everybody, but I'm always, uh, open for questions or comments or concerns or confessions. So whatever people want to do and reach out. Yeah. There you uh, go. Wanna- so if, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, if they're, if they do have some questions or hopefully it's just questions, I don't know. It could get weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get a lot of unsolicited pictures. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm mostly just on Instagram. Um, Joe underscore Orion training group. 
Um, and that's kind of my instructor page based off of the, the main Orion training group page. And if you don't follow the main Orion training group page, that's where you can find it right there on Instagram. So, um, yeah, find us over there, man. Should, anybody who's got any questions at all about anything, um, you know, my transition from, uh, military to law enforcement has been a topic uh, that people want to hear or have some questions about. I know there's a lot of people that are interested in doing a similar thing. Um, so that and just the training industry or what classes I have to offer life in general, I'm, a, I'm an open book. So please feel free to contact me. Awesome. Awesome. And yep. Uh, anybody listening, please do. Uh, I, I do wonder how many people actually take my guests up on that. Cause almost everybody says, Hey, feel free to reach out. I wonder if, if, you know, people actually do. So hopefully you do get some messages and people do have some questions, but yeah, I appreciate we'll this man. It's been great. And um, hopefully we'll do it again soon and yeah. uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. I will definitely be getting Joe back on the pod. Uh, I really enjoyed the discussion. Uh, and if I do, I, you know, I know I've talked a lot about people I recommend and I'm happy to have people on as guests. Uh, this is one of those rare instances where I've actually met somebody before bringing them on the pod as a guest. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Uh, and Joe really is a great teacher. You know, I, I, I wouldn't bring somebody on the pod if they weren't, um, but I, and I wouldn't obviously bring somebody on to, uh, you know, just talk smack and, and tell them that they're terrible and things. But <clears throat> uh, genuinely, I can say that I had a, a positive learning experience with Joe and, and Jared, obviously, uh, he was the other instructor in the class. And I've had Jared on this podcast before and hope to have him on again, both, both these guys, just absolutely great. And it's really cool to kind of hear the difference uh, or, or differences, I should say, in, in how people came to be and how they got to the point that they're teaching. So I, I always try to ask that question uh, to my guests, like, how did you get here? What did you do before this? And it's interesting because while, you know, you look at Jared and Jason and, and you know, in and, and Joe and all the guys at OTG, and they all kind of arrived at the point they're at today with taking very different paths to get there. And that's, you know, Joe talked about that and uh, really, really cool that they all kind of mesh together and blend together. And it was also just an interesting observation. Maybe I'm just more observational than some folks. I don't know, but in class, just the way that Jared taught things versus the way that Joe taught things, the same curriculum with the same core principles and, and, and teachings, you know, but maybe done just a little bit differently, delivered just a little bit differently. I enjoyed both. But if you guys are definitely, you know, if you're looking for somebody, to, you know, as a firearms instructor or CQB class, whether it's, you know, for an agency or you're in the North Carolina area and you want to connect with Joe, I highly recommend you guys uh, give him a message. The, the dude, he is funny as hell. He definitely downplayed it in, in this episode, uh, but like I was absolutely dying in class, um, but also gave really, really good information. Um, and I'll say that to anybody. I think one of... One of the best qualities you can find in an educator, and I don't mean in the tactical space or the gun community, I mean in an educator in terms of a, someone who's teaching anything. I don't care if it's the, uh, the the person that's teaching you how to be a skilled trade at a you know auto plant, if it's an actual uh, teacher for high school or college or you know like what I do with music, or uh, you know in the tactical space, but one of the best qualities is somebody who can make you feel at ease while still keeping you engaged enough to take things seriously and, and learn. And at least for me, and I can't say this for everybody because not everybody learns differently. And anybody who's been teaching knows this and acknowledges this, 
everyone learns differently, but I, I thought that, you know, the demeanor and the way in which Joe conducted class was awesome. Um, I thought it was absolutely very, very cool. Uh, you know, how willing he was to work with people on breaks. I'll say both guys were really cool about just like gear questions and, and kit and questions on tactics. And, and honestly, that was probably for me where I, I had the most amount of learning, uh, was on some of the downtime where I was able to pick Jared's brain or ask Joe some questions about, you know, Hey, I thought about this. Well, you know, I, I moved this way cause I didn't want to be in the threshold, but we'd already, you know, cleared the threshold. So, you know, just and they they were happy to take the time to address those questions and explain it and uh, even towards the end of that you know when we left before someone said to leave early I was one of them and we wanted to get a class picture he you know they all got their their gear out and everything for the photo and you know, just people flock whenever you pull out night vision and Joe was just super nice very willing to let people see you know hey I run these you know Lloyd Industry twenty ones with whatever tubes he has and yeah can we check that out like yeah here please please do. Um, so just a very, you know, nice guy, genuine dude, uh, very smart when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And, um, you can just tell somebody who, who really enjoys teaching finds a lot of reward in it. Um, and I have no problem saying that as somebody who has been around educators for a very long time. Um, <clears throat> you can tell the people that are not in love with it and you can tell the people that are very much passionate about what they're doing. And that's definitely the vibe I got. So, um, I was happy to have Joe on. I, uh, I really, I, I'm going to try and get him back on soon. Um, I think there's a ton that we can get into. I think there's a ton to talk about. Um, and I urge you guys, if you have questions around, like he said, you know, transitioning from military to law enforcement, if you have questions about their class or, or shoot, I mean, anything, I really genuinely do hope that when these guests say this, you guys are reaching out to them. Um, I would not be where I am today without the connections that I've made, uh, whether that's, whether you're looking at it in the context of this podcast or as me as an individual shooter, uh, or, or whatever, it, the, it's the exact same. There are a lot of really, really good folks that are in the 2A community who are willing to be sources of information, who welcome the contact, they welcome the questions, they welcome the feedback, and they welcome the criticism, as long as it's done respectfully, and you're actually trying to learn there, there's many of them out there. They don't all have the high follower counts. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's the annoying part too, is because some, and this is my opinion, is that some of these people with the, you know, obnoxiously large following, um, they are not, they're not as in it for the education as they say they are, um, which I find upsetting just purely because I am here to a share my learning experiences with you all, which is why I was very quick to own, you know, and point out in this discussion, like, Hey, you called me on this. You called me on that. I learned here. That's when I learned. That's why that's important. I, I have no problem owning that. I mean, I'm not infallible. I'm not perfect. I don't do this professionally. And even guys that do do it professionally make mistakes. So, um, like I was saying, I, I hope you guys do take the opportunity to reach out to Joe and and try and find time to you know make it to one of his classes or courses. Um, I, I mean, can't say enough nice things about him. I had a very positive experience, and I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion that we just had here. Uh, these are the kinds of people that I look forward to connecting with, bringing on as guests, bringing back on as repeat guests, because I, I really think that they have a lot of information to offer to you all. Now, I mean, granted, there's some people I really like to talk to, and I bring them on for my own amusement, and I will make no apologies for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, when I look at people to try and bring on here, it's to share information. That's if you guys go back to our like early, early episodes, and I kind of talked about a little bit of this with Joe offline, 
it was a very different podcast, but that is one of the things that has always remained a constant is that this is supposed to be educational, whether that's you observing me learning and you're learning via that. Maybe it's learning what not to do. I don't know what your personal goals and beliefs are and things, uh, but I, I hope that you learn regardless through these discussions. And, it, and at the very least, you find them enjoyable and entertaining. Um, because that's really what matters here. I mean, you got to enjoy listening to this stuff and uh, we do our best. And, and it's very easy when you have content and topics that we're all, <clears throat> excuse me, we're all passionate about and, and want to talk about. And uh, if you guys have questions on this stuff, like, hey, why didn't you ask about this? Shoot me a message. Shoot Joe a message. Let him know you were listening to the episode and you want to know more about something. Hell yeah, man. Get after it. Um, but that's all I got for you guys really this week. I, I sincerely hope that you enjoyed this discussion and, you know, have enjoyed our, our uh, you know, other episodes as we're getting really, really freaking close to 200 episodes, which is crazy. Um, I would never have thought that we would have gotten to this point, but here we are with no signs of slowing down. So that's all from me this week, folks. Uh, until next time, you guys get after it. Reach out to Joe. Reach out to make some good connections in your network. Be better people whether that's training, whether that's, you know, doing your research and your education and whatnot. Until next time, though, get out there, hit the range, and like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. <laughs>